Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, all about movies, and today my guest is Tarun Verma, and we're going to be talking about his new film. He's the director, writer, and producer of this new film called Conception. Welcome to the show, Tarun. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Great. Good. It's good to have you here. This is, a, you know, a, a topic that's rather timely. It's, uh, unfortunately, it's something that's, I almost feel like it's a, a pandemic of its own, uh, it seems, lately. Um uh, Let's talk about Conception and what this film is about so our listeners know what Conception's about, and then we can do a deep dive into it. Absolutely. So this is a couple's journey through pregnancy and more specifically IVF, which is in vitro fertilization. That's what couples have to go through if they cannot have a child. And naturally, they have to go through this process to have a child. And this movie kind of looks at the emotional toll that that, that can take on a couple. And that's, that's it. It does take an emotional toll. How did you come about? You wrote this and you directed did it and you produced it. So how did the idea germinate for you? How did this come about? Got it. So for many years, so I, by classical training, I am a pharmacist. That That's my education. That's my background. For many years, I was a fertility pharmacist. So I worked with these patients. You know, these women would come in month after month getting medications from me. And like any good pharmacist should, you ask questions. And also my patients would ask me questions. Well, Tarun, what about this? What about that? Can, that, can this help create a better outcome? Because these patients want nothing more than to have a kid. They'll, 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 they'll do whatever it takes. They are, you know, we, we kind of have a joke in the pharmacy world where most the common patient doesn't even know what they're taking. They don't know why they're taking it. They just know their doctor prescribed them a, a purple pill or a green pill for their hypertension, for their high blood pressure. And that's it. They, they don't even know what it's for. They're like, yeah, I take a green pill and it keeps my blood pressure good. But fertility patients are so focused and honed in because this is this is a big deal for them. Mm-hmm. You know, so anything that they can do. I mean, if they read anything on the internet, I'd get a question about it. I get a call about it. Hey, Tarun, I saw this product that might help with fertility. What do you think of it? And I go look it up and things like that. The pharmacist always becomes that person you go to um, outside of the doctor. You know, you can't go call your doctor for every little thing. Doctors don't pick up the phone like that, but pharmacists, we do. So we're that community boots on the ground, as they say. And so people would come in month after month and ask me questions about their medications, about other things that could take vitamins, uh, massages, anything out there that's related to the fertility field. And so it really hit home to me to see how hard these couples were trying to have a child. And it's not even just the woman. The woman, I think, bears the the, the worst of it because she's the one pumping her body full of hormones. And on, on, from a uh, physical side, she bears all of the stress there. Now, both individuals bear the emotional weight of what fertility goes through. And I always knew as a filmmaker, there was a film to be made about this. And um, I'm a comedy writer, ironically enough, if you can believe that. I, I don't generally do um, dramas. This is actually my first drama that I've ever written and I've ever made. Um, mostly because that's kind of how I keep myself in balance. I, I, I you know, my day-to-day job is very serious. It's very, um, you know, it's not fun per se. It's very, very serious. And then so when I do comedy writing, that kind of helps offset me a bit. But um, I knew there was a story here, something that would be true. I wasn't seeing films being made about this out there. And the pandemic was a perfect time for when the world just slowed down for me to, to visit this and say, hey, let me try to crack this story and see if I can figure it out. So I know that was a bit of a long-winded no. answer, but you know we got there. We got there. Great! No, I love it. You can. I love it when my guests 
talk. <laughs> That's what it's about, <laughs> you know. Um, I just want to go back, though. Um, I never heard anything uh, uh, the word before about a fertility pharmacist. I didn't even know there was such a specialty. Let's talk about that a little bit. You know, how did you get into that? And I and is this a common uh, type of pharmacy? Uh, a pharmacist nowadays is a fertility pharmacist? Not, not really, not per se. Like you don't go through any additional training. It's just sort of the area that you get into. Like I call it fertility pharmacist because it's just the easier way to sum it up. But um, that became a very hyper-focused niche that I was in. So there are certain pharmacies that do cater to uh, the fertility crowd. It's not like your average CVS or Walgreens can do it, mainly because the price of these medications are so high. And um, so access of these drugs is kind of restricted to certain pharmacies. And so the one I was with was, was dealing really heavily in this population base. And so I sort of found myself becoming an expert in fertility medications just because um, I would sit across from the doctors because I would have questions about the medications. I would go visit their offices. Uh, My patients actually forced me to research a lot of stuff out there about fertility that I, you know, I wanted to be a good pharmacist. So I kept getting these same questions again and again. And it was like, it would only behoove me to go and actually figure out answers for them. That's what a good pharmacist would do. And that's, you know, that's what I, what I did. And so I call it being a fertility pharmacist. It's not like an official thing out there. Um, you know, you, you could be a, a nuclear pharmacist, you could be whatever. These are just kind of titles, but it's sort of the, the little niche pocket that you find yourself in where you're predominantly working with that patient base. So fascinating. I mean, just a sort of very interesting. And the fact that you uh, cared so deeply that you would go visit the doctors and find out and get the answers so you could be really knowledgeable when you talk to your patients. I mean, that's wonderful in itself. Everybody would love to have you as their pharmacist, I'm sure, (laughs) given that expertise. So, well, let's talk about the film. Let's talk about the couple in the film and their struggles. And uh, let's talk about that a little bit deeper. Um, you, How did the cast come about? You said you did this during, did you film it during the height of the of COVID or did you just write it during COVID? No, no, no. So uh, 2020, um, I wrote it and, and we filmed a portion of it in um, the summer of 2020. And then because originally it started off as a short film, ironically enough. And so, um, you know, we had to, and this was during the height of the lockdown. So we could not bring out talent from outside of the city. We had to literally only look inwards. So um, I was scouring the city looking for actors because Houston's not a huge acting uh, base out here. Um, Austin is, but people were still very weary at that time to even travel outside mm-hmm. then. Um, right. So I wrote the short film and that's what Conception was. And we, we made it and um, all in the year of 2020, we found local actors. Uh, Kareem, who plays Vic, fantastic job. I've worked with him previously. Him and I both are comedy guys. He's he's. We've always done comedies together. Um, Simran was a new find for me, and she came in and just did a very very wonderful job. She brought a lot of gravitas to um, that character, and really the the, the it, it just it takes you. She was really able to take that character into a dark place, which is where it really needed to go to really get the full range of what happens to a couple when they go through this um and then what happened was once the film was done um it turned out to be about 44 minutes i think 
the short film. That's not a short film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I had a lot of film festival directors tell me I would start submitting it and they would go, you know, Tarun, you made something really great here. I can't accept this because this is too long. The whole point of short films is to showcase filmmakers. In the 45 minutes that, you, you know, we can showcase your film, I can showcase about six or seven other filmmakers in that time. And that's what film festivals have to do. You know, there's a, you know, and they're, they're restricted on time. Right. So one of them told me something and the minute they told it to me, it just, it clicked in my head, which was, you don't have a short, you have half a movie finished. And I, I went, oh my God, you're so right. So I started pitching it to investment groups left and right. And within the first month of me pitching it, I got a, I, I got a group to come in and go, here's a check, go finish the film. Oh, we wow. did a fantastic job. And so I got that authorization, I think February uh, or March of 2021, we went right back into production because while we were in post, I finished the story because I always kind of knew it wasn't done, you know? Um, and so just by the off chance, I don't know how long it would take to finish the film. I wrote that thing while we were in post on the short. Well, sure enough, a couple months later, we got the money. And so summer of 2021, we went right back into production and we finished the entire film. Amazing. Amazing. Very good that you got the funding so quickly, too, to finish it. I, I think it goes to your point, just like you said. I think this hits home with a lot of people. This is a very, very relevant topic. We're not talking about um, a serial killer in a clown mask or something, you know, something different that you have to pitch to people. This is a very human story. And I think this really pulls on your heartstrings. So it wasn't very hard to get people to co-sign on, this, especially if you have children of your own. Um, it, it, it just it hits home. Yeah. I think people really gravitate to it. Why? I don't know if you can answer this question, but it just seems like there's an epidemic of infertility going on, as I said earlier, a pandemic and you know, an epidemic. It just seems like so many women and couples are having such a difficult time um, becoming pregnant. And I wonder, do you have any thoughts as to why? I mean, I don't know if it's, you know, or what's in our air, the, the foods people are eating. It just seems like it's more and more prevalent than it's ever been. Uh, is that your perception also? Or am I just imagining that? No, no, no. You are spot on. You said it at best as an epidemic. Um, it is. And, and and this is something that I think maybe my movie was a little too soon on. I think if I were to make have made this movie five years from now, I think it would garner far more discussion than it is now. That is exactly what's going on. Um, fertility rates have risen through the roof. Now, a lot of it has to do with the fact that we've normalized the discussion around it. A lot more people are talking about infertility more than they ever have, because it's always existed mm-hmm. in our society. Um, we just always kept it hush-hush, you know, depending on different, um, you know, groups. And so I think that's there. Beyond that, you are absolutely right. And to me personally, I've talked to a lot of doctors about this. It's a little bit of everything. It's our diet. It's the stress in our lives. Um, You know, it's, you know, not just not particularly the air, but, you know, everything else. It's so much of our food is so overly processed. We don't eat whole foods anymore. The water now is more tainted than it's ever been. You know, you know, the tap water isn't clean in almost any city anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm talking to you on a, on a phone. This phone is as powerful as first computer my father got me in 1995. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now we're keeping that phone, something highly radioactive and, and with radio waves in our pockets near our reproductive organs mm. that imagine putting a microwave next to you like that like it all adds to it our society is not conducive to a stress-free life anymore we are very much on the go we're chugging tons of coffee it 
all contributes to it. And I've noticed it doesn't hit one demographic more than the other. I've seen women as young as 26, 25 come into my pharmacy with fertility issues all the way up to 40, which obviously, you know, women around at any time after 35, you have a more complicated pregnancy uh, and it's harder to get pregnant then. But I mean, I'm talking about people in their 20s, mid 20s are having trouble getting pregnant. It's it is a very, very big thing, and I don't think we're talking about it enough, but I think five to seven years, we will. Interesting. Very interesting. You know, you're right. Um, yeah, I mean, women who are older, it is more difficult, obviously, to get pregnant. And, mm-hmm. and because everyone is delaying, um, you know, women are going, you know, pursuing their careers, getting married later, they're not, you know, and then they decide finally to have a child. And you're right, they're mm-hmm. you know, in their late 30s, early 40s, which makes that process even more difficult, or they've been on birth control for a long, long time, too. Uh, I think that's also contributed to it, because you, you you talk about that a little bit in this movie, uh, being on, on the pill and how that affects, you know, your body. I mean, obviously, it's telling the body not to get pregnant. You hear stories where people go off the pill and they get pregnant right away, and, you know, but many more are not getting pregnant because the body Absolutely. is... Absolutely. I mean, that. it's hormones. It's yeah. ultimately, birth control is hormones. We are manipulating the hormone cycle of a woman to not be fertile for right. so long. So let's say a typical girl um, starts birth control nowadays right around 15 you know, a lot of times it helps with acne. So generally when that acne phase starts, they, they tend to give girls um, birth control. And so it's kind of works both ways. It works with the acne part and the birth control part. Now imagine that woman goes on to become a doctor or whatever, right? She's going to be pretty much on birth control through her whole 20s. You have doctors don't become doctors until their 30s. So, you know, almost double her life will go by being on these hormones. And so when she tries to get pregnant, you know, go figure that you would have fertility issues, you know, but you're right. At the same time, you do have cases where the first month off birth control women get pregnant that that happens too all the time but it's not natural for us to constantly be manipulating our body cycles like that yeah i love the arc that you created in this film you know from the beginning of this couple's relationship um and i don't want to give anything away but uh i thought that was you know so we could really get involved in their lives and in their struggle let's talk about that a little bit without Again, we don't want to give anything away as far as the ending of the film, but as much as you can as far as there are. Oh, absolutely. Well, you need to be invested in this couple. Um, the film ends in a way where it's quite unpredictable for, for a lot of people. And so you need to be invested in this couple. And the thing is, I wanted to be very, very honest about what couples go through. So in the beginning, it is fun. Trying to get pregnant is fun. Having these discussions about when to have children is fun. So I wanted to show this couple before any of that starts, really to get a baseline of who they were. They're in love. They're great. You know, um, and then as you descend, it doesn't happen overnight where you start having problems. I mean, these things are a slow burn. I mean, so I wanted to show them kind of have some issues on their way down. And so so it's all just real. And I have had a lot of couples who've gone through um, IVF who watch this movie and they go, this is pretty spot on. Like, this is very, very spot on for what me and you know, what my husband and I went through. And at the same time, you can't have a full movie where it's all depressing and sad. Hence why there's a good chunk of the movie that is very light and funny. And, you know, that gets back to my earlier roots of being a comedy writer. That stuff's very easy to write. Um, and then so it just it just makes you hurt that much more when you see sort of the end half of the movie unravel when their marriage unravels. Um, 
So, but yeah, the whole point was just to be very honest to that journey. Yeah, it's, it is. it is, And it's interesting. And the, um, the, so the actors that you have in this film, um, talk a little bit about their chemistry. I mean, you, you knew the lead actor you you knew, and then this, the lead actress you had not worked with before. So let's talk, had, let's talk a bit about their chemistry in this film. Well, that was the great thing about, um, the pandemic. And I know that sounds horrible. And I, I heard it when I said it out loud. Um, it was not, it's not great that the pandemic happened, but one of the um, side effects of the pandemic is we all had a lot more time and everybody else had a lot more time. And so um, when I found these two actors, there was no hurry for us to go shoot this film. I mean, the whole world was literally just sitting around watching TV, just trying to figure out what was happening. A lot of us young people don't <laughs> didn't want to do that. So I said, hey, we got a movie. Let's work on it. Both of them said, that's great. Now, both of them have never been married, do not have kids and currently like I don't think they were even in serious relationships at the time so they had no connection to the material so I was like let's take this time and let's over rehearse this film let's really go through this I mean we would workshop this they would come over every weekend we'd sit at my dinner table and we would just run lines and they would ask questions you know, especially Simran. Simran's a uh, like a 24, 25 year old girl. I mean, for her to portray the emotions of a woman in her early 30s going through IVF trouble, it's just not something she could really connect to. But through enough conversations with, I led her down that path of going, this is how she's going to feel here. This is how a woman would feel here. I need you to internalize that and make that your own. Um, and so we were able to really rehearse a lot. I think that if we were to try to attempt to do this now with the world being open again, I think it'd be hard because everyone just has so much going on in their lives. They don't have time to take aside this much time and just work on the script. But these two actors, it, it's a testament to how hard they work because they didn't have the resume that screamed that they could pull something like this off. And so um, I think this was a huge level up for these actors uh, to, to, to after all the, the rehearsals, all of the training they went through and what they were able to pull off on screen. I mean, hands down, this is the best piece of work I've seen them do for their careers. So I'm very happy that I could to, you know, that they did that for, for, for my film. Yeah. So Yes, that's great. That's great. It really is. So you mentioned Houston. Is that where you are? Is that where you filmed this? Correct. Yes, that's right. Houston, Texas. All right. Great, great uh, city. Uh, I, I was wondering where you had filmed this. Other than the challenge, well, you know, filming during the pandemic, what was the biggest challenge that you had when you were making this film? Uh, I think it was the changing in tones. That was something that, um, you know, when I wrote this thing and it goes from this, sort of happy rom-com to this very deadpan serious drama i've seen directors far more experienced experience than me mess that up and i and for some reason i felt the need to want to try that because i don't know i could have probably kept this movie more even keeled in terms of its tone but i went no i want to do something as crazy as go from a rom-com to go down to that drama. And so each and every way, I think that was nerve wracking for me to constantly go, okay, tonally, are we okay? It shouldn't feel jagged as the movie progresses. But luckily from enough people have said that they felt like it was a very smooth progress to the film. But that was one thing that I thought was incredibly difficult because I think that's just a very hard filmmaking aspect to pull off. Um, 
So yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think we pulled it off, to be honest. You did. You did. You definitely did. That's what I said about the arc. You know, it just it was. Yeah. It, you know, it is smooth, and it isn't. You know, a good arc. It wasn't. It didn't feel like it was. You know, going all over the place, or jagged, or yeah, choppy, or jumpy anything. and choppy. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. So I felt that that worked. How was directing this compared to what you've done in the past? Because you said you've done comedy in the past. How how does the style change from, and this does have some comedy and lightness into it, as you said, too. Uh, yeah. How yeah. does your style as a director change from genre to genre? Uh, well, you know, ultimately you have to, you have to look at, you have to look at your story and go, what is, what am I trying to say? And so ultimately, you know, when you're making a comedy, it's all about getting that laugh. You know, it's not so much the story. It's not so much you're highlighting this amazing plot twist or anything. It's the jokes. This one, it, there's no joke. There's no punchline here. And so what it was, it was every single scene has to connect to the next one in terms of its smoothness. Again, it's that arc we're talking about. Again, it can't feel jagged because then it would pull the audience out of it. And again, you're, you're, you're telling a very specific type of story here. This is not a story that everyone understands. So you had to also make this digestible. I mean, there's a lot of medical stuff that I left out of there because it would have been too much for the average population. They would have been like, you're losing me with all of this medical mumbo jumbo. Um, so, but I mean, with a comedy, I will admit it's a lot more fun to uh, do those because on set, it's just so much fun. You know, you, you give your actors room to riff and improv and there's no improv in drama. There really isn't. Um, everything is very structured. We knew exactly, what, especially since we over-rehearsed this thing with the actors, we knew what we were going to get. We knew what we had to achieve with each shot that we needed to get into. So the shoot was a lot easier. It was very quick because we knew what we were trying to achieve. With comedy, sometimes you can go off the rails. You know, I hear some of these stories where Adam McKay and Jonah Hill will make a movie and they'll spend a whole day on one scene because they're just improving and they're having so much fun that they're going to go, this is it. This is what we're going to do all day. We're just going to improv this one scene. And, you know, with dramas, that, that's not what it is. So I think with the directorial styles, that's the one thing I learned early on was I can't think like a comedy director going into this drama. I have to constantly be focused on what is my agenda. I'm not making people laugh. So I need people to feel these characters and understand the story. That's it. Those are my only two objectives with this movie. Do you think... Um what do you think? What do what, what do you want people to walk away with after they watch this film? I I think the the number one most important thing is I think you should communicate with your partner. And this 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 you know we're talking even before marriage, even when you're dating, um, you're on the verge of getting married or you're newly married. Make sure you've talked about children because this can become a non negotiable later on in, in your life and you don't realize that or maybe a girl is just so shy to ask the guy what he thinks about kids so they don't and they just keep going on on their relationship that's one of the worst things you can do because if you have that discussion early on and you know that kids are something that means something to one of you but it doesn't mean that to the other person it's better you get that out of the way right now because now that i've been in the place that i've been i've seen marriages fall apart due to this topic alone you know and you know I've seen marriages fall apart for a myriad of reasons, but this is the one thing that I feel like a good conversation could fix. You know, I've seen marriages fall apart due to money issues, not being on the same page with money and things like that. But when it comes to children, you can talk about this. You can say, Hey, I don't care to have kids. Um, but if you do, 
I will have kids. Or what if we can't have children? What would we do? How does that impact you versus me? Um, I know my wife and I talked about that. My wife said, if we can't have kids, um, she goes, I'd be willing to, you know, she she wasn't willing to adopt or do surrogacy or any of those things. I did. I was open to that. I was like, I wouldn't mind adopting. And I think you need to have these conversations. So if that, hopefully people start doing that, because I think that would save a lot of grief. And I think that would save a lot of relationships in great, the long run. Great, great advice. Uh, definitely. And great message. Oh, Tarun, so much. Thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find Conception? Where can they watch it? Currently, it is on any video on demand platform. So, ATT, Comcast, Xfinity. If you have a cable box, you will be able to access this film. If you do not have a cable box of any kind, Apple TV iTunes, Amazon Prime. It's on all the streaming platforms right now. Uh, go rent it. Go check it out. It is, it is, it's a doozy. Great. So keep some, t- keep some tissues around when you do <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I wish you much success with Conception. Thank you so much, Tarun, for being on the show. Thank you so much. To all my wonderful, loyal listeners, your love of film allows me to do what I do. If you want to support me, the best way to do that is to hit the subscribe button on the iHeart Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And of course, on YouTube. Subscribing matters. If you are feeling really compelled, I want to hear from you. Have a burning question, comment, or review? Drop me an email at thejampriceshow.com. Thank you for listening. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies.